you know, obviously you can see certain habits in regard to people by quickly judging, but the most important habits um, to s dedicate and predicate how well someone does in this, not only this business, but in life, life yeah. I feel like what goes on in here and what's in their heart. Yeah. And you can't tell that in a person until you get to experience with that person. Yeah. So I just felt like, you know, you might not know really for 90 to 120 to 180 days if you found a quality person or not because it's really hard to make that judgment like instantaneously off of a visit or spending like an hour or two with someone. Yeah. You need to go through some trials and tribulations. So how is someone going to respond to you know, the first time that maybe the back us, backs up against the wall or you know, something doesn't go easy or something goes out? That's when you really learn if you made the right choice and bring someone aboard or someone has the right, you know, some people say what it takes to be successful. Forget about just, you know, an American income in life. And, you know, you don't know that right away until, you know, they face some challenges. Another episode of Adversity Kings. We have special guest, uh, very, very special guest, um, the president of the company that I work for. So President David Zoffin, and we work for American Income Life. So I've had the opportunity to be mentored directly and indirectly from Zoffin since I essentially graduated high school and started selling life insurance you know, from the young age of 18, 19 years old, and I'm 24 now, I'll be 25 in September, and I I'm, I'm, have the opportunity to be a franchise owner out here in Chicago, and, you know, so come a long way from, from being that agent that, that uh, I guess, on the grand, from the grand scheme of things, for, from the perspective and the uh, positions that we're in now, it's only 10% of us that, that make it to this, this level. I think it's called the 8% industry, roughly. It's, you know, 8.9 8 or something percent of uh, individuals will go 12 plus months in the life insurance industry, which maybe isn't the most appealing statistic to start out with. But I bet that's 100 percent commission in general. You know what I mean? Business. It's got to be very close. General, it's got to be very close. Right. Yeah. Sure. So and, um, you know, some some great things to uh, say about Zoffin, which don't even need to be said. He speaks for himself and we'll go through his story. But, you know, I know from uh, from a young age when I was sharing with our company this morning, one of the first things that stood out to me was I asked him, I said, What's one piece of advice you would you would give me starting out selling insurance? I don't know anybody. Nobody personally recruited me. I don't have any prior sales experience. I don't have any professional education. I don't. I barely have a high school education. I I was unfortunately I was expelled. So, um, what advice would you give somebody like me? And and he initially said you need to find somebody in the office within your respective space and in, in the industry that's doing better than you, and just do more than them in the controllable areas. So for our business, it was miles translated into ALP. So for me, it was knocking on more doors and getting into more yeah. homes. And that eventually led me to being the uh, number two producer. I think it was number one, if you considered quality, when I first started at 19 years old. So that was a, a great accomplishment. My first 12 months in the in the deal made over a hundred something thousand dollars. But I took that advice and I took it to heart. And he wrapped it up with, and, and the next big piece of advice is, and you'll hear this from all the really successful people in the industry and the businesses, just don't quit, just last. Yeah. And so I, I took those two things, I've combined them together, and I, I built a great career out of them. So thank you very much, because they've made me a lot of money and helped me impact a lot of lives, and also give back a lot as well. So that's something I know we pride ourselves in, is is giving back, and, and not just on a surface level, because it looks good for social media, but genuinely connecting with people and, and giving back on a on a micro level from helping out people individually in my business and on a macro level when we get together you know as as owners and everybody and, and we give back to communities so it's it's definitely been awesome i can't thank you enough for everything you've done everything you've been able to accomplish from wearing every single shoe and every single hat in the industry i'm excited to get your perspective in it all so well i'm glad you listened to the advice because yes. you've been such a blessing for this company and such an incredible role model for you know 
just to think about, you know, I'm listening to you as you talk of how many lives you've influenced and you're so young yourself, which is incredible, you know, testament of, um, you know, your character is incredible. Uh, I can't imagine what getting expelled from school, but yeah, you're such a, you know, such an incredible guy, it's, you know, incredible person, lead by an awesome example. You know, you got not only the work ethic, but you've got the character to back it up, you know, and you're just such an important part of the company and everyone that works here is so blessed uh, to have you. Uh, be part of their not only their work lives but their personal lives as well yeah so the first thing i want to get into is shutting that door because if we forgot to do that we're going to have a bunch of presentations going on while we're doing this but uh second thing i wanted to get into is i wanted to thank you because you just confirmed with me we've got the dallas suite and i'll add this in here now because hopefully this podcast will drop friday so i didn't announce this contest yet but i'm going to be letting everybody know now I just confirmed with yes. Zoffin right now that we're going to have the suite for Dallas, the Texas Rangers game. Do you know who they're playing? At Globe Life Field. They, I do not know who they're playing. So we don't know who they're playing, but quick hint for you new uh, first-time watchers, if, if you heard the Globe Life Field and why he kind of emphasized the Globe Life Field, Globe Life is our umbrella company, so we're a subsidiary that contributes to Globe Life, and essentially they have the naming rights to uh, the Texas Rangers Stadium, they just spawned the new deal. Can we announce what they did over in Atlanta? Yes, go ahead. So, they, so different type of sponsorship, but a sponsorship with the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, we're an official sponsor of the Atlanta Braves. Yep. So We're the official insu- uh, life insurance company of the Texas Rangers. Yep. With and that, we also have the stadium rights where it's called Globe by Field. And with the Dallas Cowboys, what would be the proper description for that? Official insurance company. Official insurance company for the Dallas Cowboys. And then those of you that like soccer is the... Official insurance company of FC Dallas. FC Dallas as well. So we've got a lot of a lot of pool out there in Texas. That's exciting. It's really exciting. And so I, I'm taking three of our top producers, and here's how it's really simple to qualify. If you guys, two, three of our top performers. Here, here's here's how you get a ticket. Every five thousand dollars of production. You know, I'm really excited about five thousand dollars of production. Yes. So I'm doing everything around five thousand. Our promotions, our our rewards, our recognition. But every $5,000 of net production in the month of July is going to get you one ticket. So we're going to do a ticket pool. So all you need is 5K net. We just need you to make $2,500. So if I'm more. brand new and just got done training either in June or the, right in the first part of July, yep. every 5000 I write, I get a ticket. So I have a chance as a brand new person to go on a trip with you Yes. to go to a Rangers game at Globe Life Field. And not only me, but I'm bringing best friend and, and essentially partner in business, Brody Evanson. Oh, wow. Who is a top RGA. Oh, my God. He's won, his back, won both of his categories every year, MJ and RJ. Yes. So they get to not only hang out with you, but Brody as well? Yes. And oh some God, of his top amazing. performers as well. So awesome. um, there's going to be a lot of ALP, a lot of renewals, and a lot of money in the room and a lot of good people in the room. Uh, so for us, it'll be every 5K net. But for those of you that are a little stronger in uh, town acquisition, every five personal hires will also get you a ticket. So that's awesome. You've got two opportunities. So imagine if you wrote 10K and you had 10 personal hires. You get in four the month. tickets. You get four tickets. You've got four chances. And and the Texas Rangers game is is just half of the prize. The other half, and, and Zalesi's gonna know, and we're gonna know if everybody finds out. So we're coming for you if, if you still go back and tell everybody, is um, the other half will be the Jake Paul fight. Oh so, my god, what a great yeah, weekend. Yeah. Three tickets to the Jake Paul fight. So Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz. I'm excited to see who fills these positions. And I'm going to see you guys for that. Yes. Because Friday night I'm tied up. Yes. Um, but Saturday I'm going to see you guys, and um, hopefully we can meet up before the fight. Yeah, so that's going to be really fun. I've, I've been dying to announce that. So we put that together, you know, uh, probably a week ago or so. I know Brody and I got on the phone. 
we hit you up. You got back immediately. That's something crazy, crazy also in regard to, you know, I've always been a, I've always kind of quickly been able to, to somewhat, we were talking about judging a book by its cover and not doing so when it comes to people, not, not prejudging people when it comes to doing business or just in general, why, why be prejudiced? And, um, but there are some little key components and urgency has been one that I've been trying that I try to identify success or people that I like to surround myself with is their level of urgency. And that's something that you were up there with like, I'd probably say top three in my like personal circle. If I like included myself of like, I could expect a response like within, not within like an hour. Like I'm talking about within five minutes, email, text, call, uh, he, with it within five minutes minimum, you know what I mean. So for you to be running a three hundred million dollar company and to do so, real quick, let's just start with that before we even dive into you know your point of origin, born and raised. Well, there's something to that because you bring up a point. The reason why I do that, I do that, is I'm a firm believer. You know how you treat people is how you get treated. Yeah. Or how you want to get treated by people is direct correlation to how you treat people. So I always want to make sure that you know if you need me, I respond back because I. Not only would I want that back in return for you, but I would also want to make sure, and I already know you do this, but do the same for your people as well, because I think it's so important. Like, you know, in this day and age, people have become so uh, set on getting things fast, 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 and it's almost like they're crippled if you don't. Yeah. So I would never want to be the reason why someone couldn't get something done or, you know, in addition to being, you know, leading by the example, I'd want them to lead for themselves for other people. And I'm glad you brought that up. And a, a little statistic for those of you that are out there that are starting in an industry or starting in the life insurance industry and you want to make six figures your first year, just to add on to this urgency and how you treat people directly corresponds with kind of your success. I interviewed my pipeline on my pipeline call this Sunday, mm-hmm. and I had 10 or 11 of my on-track um, individuals to make six figures this year, just 10 or 11 in their first six months, wow. not my whole company. So these are brand new people that we hired six months ago, and they're already on track to make six figures. I asked them, how quickly did they get their insurance license course knocked out? Eight out of 10 said the first week. So for those of you that want to like, if you're like me and, and you weren't the, the, the smartest or the tallest or the best looking when you walked into the room, but you focused on controllable variables, such as can I study and get something knocked out very quickly? 80% of them had the course done in the first week. So they already were licensed within a week. When I was an agency owner, I always found the same thing. You know, always, you know, if someone took more than a week, I just yeah. didn't really have high <laughs> yeah, hopes. Like, oh. that's, what, that's, that's their commitment, their dedication. And I always looked at it as the first test. Like if someone knocked it out, knocked out the course in three or four days, I knew they were really committed. Yeah. And I felt like there was always a correlation with their success in the business too. Yeah. Love it. So where were you born and raised? I was born in Boston. Mm. Actually, at a real hospital in Boston. I know a lot of people that are uh, born in Massachusetts always say Boston, but I was literally born in a hospital in Boston. I was raised in a small town of 17,000 people back in the 70s and 80s, and it's still 17,000 people today. It's called Sharon, Massachusetts, right next to Foxborough, where the Patriots play. Wow. Did you guys go to Patriots games growing up a lot? I went to a couple Patriots games growing up. I had a, a good friend since the second grade who's still my friend today. His parents had Patriots tickets, so he'd take them to a game like once a Who was a quarterback before Brady? Before Brady, it was Drew Bledsoe. And who was that before Drew Bledsoe? Like, who was it? Who was the main guy for you growing up? They had some randoms back then. As a young kid, uh, it was Steve Grogan okay. and Tony Eason. Were they any good? Grogan was good back in the day. Um, and Eason was, he was supposed to be really good. The Patriots, like, really blew that draft pick back in, I forgot which year it was, but they took... Eason before Dan Marino. Mm. I believe John Elway was in the same draft. 
Wow. And there was one other quarterback um, put me on the spot here that was an incredible quarterback all taken after him. Yeah. It's pretty terrible after you think <laughs> about it. <laughs> so now what were your parents like growing up? Uh, my mom, she was a teacher up until when I was born, and then she was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. And then she worked after my young sister started going to high school part-time, and then my dad was full-time, owned his own accounting firm. Okay. Now, what... Now, are they, what nationality are they? Were they born and raised in America, Boston as well? Yep, both from Massachusetts. And then we're like, where do your, where, take us further back, grandparents, great-grandparents? Both sets of grandparents were born in Massachusetts. Wow, you got a lot of lineage and heritage in Massachusetts. Yeah, and then, uh, then afterwards you start getting different generations, Russia. Russia? Potentially one from, po we never really got the whole truth. I think one from Poland. Yeah. Um, one potentially may have been from Germany, but that well, was... What's 30% of our company? Probably Polish right now, 30% of our company? Yeah, it's about 50% now. 50%? Between the Polish and the Arabic. Yeah, we probably have. So I'm, I'm studying Arabic, actually. I'm, tw I'm 24 days in Arabic on Duolingo. How's that working out? I'm just taking it. tough? I'm taking it as just like insurance. When I first started, I didn't know anything. We're a lot further now. I lo know a lot more, but I know I, I got a lot more to learn. So Just don't quit. Yeah, exactly. Just don't quit. I, I figure if I do an, an Arabic lesson every... I'm way further in my Spanish lessons. I'm probably close to 200 days in Spanish lessons, and I'm way better at Spanish than I was 200 days ago, right? So we be in. I, yeah, movie ends, right, right, for sure. I felt pretty good in Cancun, you know what I mean? I was I was decent. You know Ordering I mean? food in Spanish? Ordering food. Was the right stuff showing up? Not really, sometimes. <laughs> Look at me sideways, numbers and everything like that. Getting back to the room was easy, but uh, that's dope. So... What was what was your experience like? You know, early childhood. Was there any pivotal moments, like good or bad, that kind of that you can think back and like, man, that was an impression on me that kind of molded me into who I am today. Hmm. So, yeah, I grew up pretty much in a. I don't want to call it shelter, but it's just different than maybe a lot of people that come to the company. Mm -hmm. um, you know, upper middle class town. You know, parents did well, so you know. If there were any, I didn't know of it, like any financial issues ever in the household. Yeah. Um, I would say the thing that probably molded me the most was like sports growing yeah. up as a kid. You know, predominantly playing basketball and baseball. Um, you know, did some other sports as well, but just, you know, learning, you know, you learn a lot from yourself, you know, about yourself. And I think those lessons of playing like team sports, you know, really set people up. Um, I think there's an advantage for people to play sports. Yeah. Um, when they get into leadership positions and get, especially into a sales role, I always felt that those uh, paved um, a good pathway to be successful in business. And and you know we mentioned earlier, and I, I want to kind of just contrast to this topic as well is because we're at lunch and we're talking about you know my guys are like, well we're looking for better quality hires, and you're like, well you know I look I look around the table and you guys all have muscles, you know what I mean? You all look like you work out, but do you think that's the only variable to contribute to your success? I think it's not. I think the most important part is is that you know, obviously you can see certain habits in regard to people by quickly judging, but the most important habits um, to s dedicate and predicate how well someone does in this, not only this business, but in life, life yeah. I feel like what goes on in here and what's in their heart. Yeah. And you can't tell that in a person until you get to experience with that person. Yeah. So I just felt like, you know, you might not know really for 90 to 120 to 180 days if you found a quality person or not because 
it's really hard to make that judgment like instantaneously off of a visit or spending like an hour or two with someone. Yeah. You need to go through some trials and tribulations. So how is someone going to respond to you know, the first time that maybe the back goes, backs up against the wall or you know, something doesn't go easy or something goes out? That's when you really learn if you made the right choice on bringing someone aboard or someone has the right you know, some people say what it takes to be successful. Forget about just, you know, an American income in life. And, you know, you don't know that right away until, you know, they face some challenges. And mm. that's why I think, you know, looking for quality people, take, you know, obviously you want to hire people with good ethics and good backgrounds. And, you know, you'll know really quickly if they're showing up on time for the meetings and you made it, you know, you alluded to, you know, passing the exam. You know, are they dedicated and committed to finishing the school in a, you know, in a, a quick set of time, you know, period of time so, you know, they can take that next step. But I think really you don't really know someone until you've gone through some experiences with them. Yeah. And to kind of capitalize on on that and, and move into a little further, getting to know people on a, on a deeper level, I think people also have to kind of appreciate that. And and you've what, what's been your experience with this as well? Is I think sometimes you know as young leaders or on a new endeavor, you'll get burned by somebody or you won't have the outcome that you desire so you'll start to pull back on allowing depth to create in in those relationships or even taking shots on building relationships i've seen a lot of people pull out of leadership um in life in general because you know they don't want to dive deeper into relationships or uh go down the path of self-development to even pursue any type of relationship building right so like did you experience that at all or have you always been gung-ho of like i'm gonna just, i'm just gonna do whatever no matter what I mean, I kind of always been. I'm gonna do you know whatever it takes, no matter what. Yeah. But I understand th- that's a big challenge for leaders in this business. You know, you pointed out in the beginning. You know, industry. And I know we're a lot better than industry, but you know, industry. You know, ten percent of the people that start a career in this industry are still in the industry a year later. Mm-hmm. You know, so that means ninety percent of the people in the in- that start the industry aren't here a year later. No. So you got to understand, like right from the start, the industry averages one out of ten will be here a year. So nine people won't. So. The thing is, you don't know which one's going to make it. You know, if you're using the industry standard, and I know our numbers are a lot better, but um, since you alluded to that, we'll use that one. So you've got to give everyone everything you have because you don't know which one's going to make it. And what could happen is if you shortcutted your efforts that you gave someone in the beginning because you were afraid to give someone too much because they might not be here in return, you start doing things all for the wrong reason. And then what will happen is you might even be uh, get worse results because maybe you just didn't give it all to the right person. Yeah. So I always felt like, listen, uh, I, it hurts a lot in the beginning, you know, especially if you're a perfectionist or you know you expect everyone to be you. You're in the top point zero 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 one percent of the industry. You know, to make it where you have in the short of time you've made it, you know, you've excelled at every level at the company. You're, you're doing amazing. One of the youngest SJs ever, you know, in the history of the company, and you're doing really, really, really well here. But you know. And it's kind of like the same, yeah, I look at you, and you know, I didn't start at your age, but you know, I was a good agent. I didn't write the kind of production you did, but I was a really good essay. I was a really you good probably GA. Did. Let's take inflation into consideration. I, was really good. I didn't write the business you wrote. I mean, I could write, but yeah. I just, it was a different company back then. You focused more on leadership activities. But yeah, I was a top at every position, even SGA. And um, what I felt like was, and you probably felt this too, I felt like everyone was going to be like me. Yeah. But you have to learn from that excuse. Like everyone's not going to be you. Yeah. You know, that's why the reward is as high as is as you know, you grow and you build because everyone's not willing to do what people at that next level are willing to do. Yeah. So, but what I came to the conclusion was, is if I could look myself in the mirror and hold myself accountable to this point, that the only reason why someone wasn't successful was because of them and not because of me, mm. then I learned to feel good about it. Cause I said, listen, I looked myself in the eye and said, Hey, I gave them everything. I, yes. I gave them everything I had. 
there, there wasn't anything else I could have done to help them be successful in the career. And the only reason why they didn't make it was on them. I think when you learn that, you know, yeah. as a leader, whether it's insurance or anything else, if you put yourself in that position, then I feel like you still feel bad and you still want everyone to make it. But I think it's a little bit easier to digest mm -hmm. you know, at that point. I agree. That's one thing I love about being being now in the industry for six years and being specifically with American Income Life. I've still come into contact with other individuals industry wide. But um, if you were to just label sales as an industry and, and identifying other sales companies just just across 100 percent commission base. It's one thing I pride myself in, and I love wearing the American Income Life badge is our systems, and the genuine systems that we have on, on a company average. Like, you could pretty much walk into any agency out of the 100-plus agencies we have, and there's a certain just American Income Life vibe of a certain level of training and preparation and care and concern for a, a human being's success when, when they commit to getting the insurance license and we commit to giving them an opportunity to sell insurance. Um, I think that's, that's a contributor. If somebody were sitting there thinking like, well, what would set these guys apart that, you know, you mentioned our numbers are a little better than, than uh, industry average. Well, it's like, you know, I, I've been really fascinated, you know, with going on two and a half years and being in franchise ownership and thinking, well, like when I got to a hundred thousand a week as a, as a managing director, I was like, should only go up. I should never go backwards. And, this is easy. I don't know why everybody doesn't do this. These guys, <laughs> I don't know what I, what I was saying, but I was. Yeah, I, I think we all go through that. Yeah, so my, my eyes were open, and something that's really stuck with me and a lesson that's really been implanted in me over, over the last few years is everybody gets so excited about innovation and looking for a new clothes, looking for new technology, and looking for a new solution, a new fancy solution. And I, th I think... I, you know, it's a funny word to utilize because I, I, you know, I'm familiar with with uh, a, a company, you know, similar to that name that you know caused some hassle years 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 ago. Yeah. But um, but people love this idea of innovation in industry wide and worldwide. Everybody wants to innovate and do something new. And if you look up the true definition of of innovation, it's very simply, you know, creating a new task or, or a, a new pathway or some some new type of system to generate desired results. And I'm thinking to myself, well, really, you know, people should realize innovation. For a lot of people, that new thing is really just the old basic thing I was that say the nobody thing. wants to do. It's the old thing, but making it a little bit better or changing a couple words. Around. Yeah, that's, that's it. crazy. It's the same. You know, you want to? I think you mentioned closing. It's the same closes. Yes. That we did 20, 22, 23 years ago. That they did forty years ago. Yeah. It's the, it's the wildest thing. It's just the verbiage might be a little bit different, yeah. or the, the way you go about it might be a little bit different, but it's still the root. It's still the same. You know, it's like that and rebuttals and everything we do is it's it's the same. It's all it's all the same and I and and I I, I get obsessed with it and I'll I'll start going on tangents and speeches and then I'll tell people it's like the new thing is basically just the old thing because nobody wants to do the old thing. Nobody wants to do the dials. Nobody wants to do the presentations because it's the monotony and the boring stuff. Everybody wants some new tech system. And I love when, when Greer will tell us about sometimes we'll look at other companies and we'll be like, man, they've got new tech and they've got all this money and, they, and then and you'll fancy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you guys will show us the other agencies that have got no tech, no leads and they're doing this. And we're just thinking like, that's not, they're just making that up. You know what this I mean? is definitely it's not like, made up. It's hundred percent true. But yeah. And I'm God, like, I think it's a lot of society where people are just looking for like instant gratification. Yes. Like instant. And they're looking for shortcuts. Yeah. You know, think about all the things and you know, I don't want to kind of, you know, outside of business that people are looking for shortcuts in, mm -hmm. um, they just don't want to put the work in, but anything worthwhile, just as it was five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 30, 50 years ago, anything worthwhile, you know, 
long term is going to take a sacrifice and it's going to take rolling up your sleeves and putting in the hard work. I think if people just like if people this. just got past that part, right, of shortcutting and looking for a quick fix or get rich quick and just understand life is about, you know, making investments and putting in the work and understanding that, you know, everything if about gr everything great that's going to be achieved, someone work really hard towards yeah. stop looking for quick, get rich quick, everyone would be a lot better off. Have have you seen the movie Lone Survivor? Marcus Luttrell? No, I have not. It's a phenomenal book and it's a phenomenal movie. Um, and to, to sum it up very, very shortly and hopefully very respectfully in regard to these, it's kind of like an American Sniper movie. Have you seen that? Like, and it's, it's a patriotic movie about a SEAL team um, that just goes over, and I think they were doing some type of like investigative or inspective mission over in the Middle East, and it was compromised very quickly, and they got pinned down in between um, the ex Islamic ex extremist group, and they end up all pretty much you know, just getting just murdered. And one survives, crawls down this mountain, gets rescued by, you know, uh, one of an, a non-extremist individual, and, and they end up getting him back to America. He writes a story and everything like that, but he, he puts up this picture, and if you, you look at the picture and it and uh, the quote beneath it, what that thing has stuck with me. Did, did it yeah. go in there or did it go away? You know, anything in life worth doing yes. is worth overdoing. Yes. Moderation is for cowards. Yes. So I loved loved that quote, and it just completely went, went along with what you were saying. No, that's a great quote. I mean, it's just it's like anything in here. Like I told you in the beginning, just find who's the most successful and just find out what they're doing and just do more what they're doing. Yeah. thousand percent. But, I, you know, it's just crazy to finish that point. You know, I wish, like, a lot of younger people realize, you know, the longest distance, my father used to say this, the longest distance between two points is a shortcut. My pap used to say something similar. Because like, you got to go back and redo it yeah. if you're really if you're really committed to getting the result. Yeah. So just do it right the first. I think time. I've heard, heard Tom, Tommy Vina say too: uh, measure twice, so you can only have to cut once. You know what I mean? Like just make sure yeah. make sure you really got it got it done. And you'll hear like like Rick, he'll always like you know tell people like when it comes to quality, just do the job right on the front end, and you don't got to worry about anything on the back end. No, you no, no. I think he'll go into his ingredients talk. Have you had yes. the ingredients analogy? Yes. Like, people will come over to my house and they'll wonder why my cooking's so good. I just tell them I buy the best ingredients. I remember sitting there, it was like my first SGA call, and I'm like, wow. It's incredible. <laughs> like, mesmerized. I was yeah. like, I was like, I don't know why I like had this epiphany. I was like, I just gotta write better business. We just gotta write better business. I'm like, why isn't this everyone's mindset from day one? Like, if you send 10 deals, just make sure eight. Are good. <laughs> You'll have eighty percent retention. I'm like, I gotta hop off because it's harder. Yeah, it's a little bit harder. Like you know, it was kind of, like I was saying, you know, people are looking for get rich quick, you know, shortcuts, you know, instant gratification, and you know, any, like I said, anything worthwhile is not, there. There isn't going to be a shortcut there. Yeah, you always said if it was that easy, the reward wouldn't be as high as it is. Yeah. So you know, anything with a high reward typically has a price to pay. A high reward, high cost, and the price always needs to be paid. You know, it's just. It's, you know, it's funny. You just don't. You just don't ever stop. This is the way the world goes. Yeah. So as you start getting into high school and college, you played basketball your high school. I did. Because I remember you recently shared a story. I think it was at the last SGA meeting about your I did. high school basketball experience, and then going back yeah. and wanting to show the coach he should have chose you. Yeah. No. I, listen, I learned. You learned. That's why I thought like sports was great for me to learn. You know, I applied. You know, a lot of lessons of team. You know, working with the team, but you learn a yeah. lot about yourself. And um, you know, I was sharing the part of the story. I had a very uh, We'll call it challenging coach, yeah. You know, and just like the decisions he made made no rhyme or reason. 
you play great one game, then you wouldn't even play again in the next game. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just kind of used that as, you know, I remember as a teenager, you know, wanted to prove to him more than anything in the world that he made the wrong choice. And he went through that story. I'm not going to go through it today. But, you know, I, I learned that, you know, you learn what, what motivates you as a person. Yeah. You know, I always learned, you know, what kind of worked for me is like, you know, proving people wrong on me. Yeah. You know, that, that to me, like, gave me such great uh, motivation to dig deep and yes. not quit and do more, you know, make that extra call, make that extra presentation or do the extra work, you know, and, you know, understanding that it's not like, it's not the things that you do when people are watching. It's really getting good and being disciplined to do the things when no one's watching. Mm -hmm. You know, I call it BC before COVID. You know, back when you first started, we were out in the field. You know, it was very easy if someone wanted to, and I never did, but it'd be very easy for someone to say, oh, yeah, my 8 and 9 o'clock weren't home, you know, and they just drove home so they could be home, you know, by 7 or 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. But, you know, that challenge is do you have the tenacity? Do you have the vision, you know, and I talk about vision a lot, you know, you've talked about vision with your team, like the vision becomes the justification of doing all the things necessary you need to do to be successful. You know, the, you know it's learning to love to do the things that you least like to do, understanding, you know, that's the difference between where you are, you know, and where you want to go. But, you know, I kind of learned a lot going back to the high school thing of, you know, I learned that, hey, I'm not going to prove this guy wrong if I don't work hard. You know, yeah. even though high school's over, I'm working hard in the gym. I'm working on my game. You know, I'm learning you know, the game, even though it's not going anywhere. And I'm, I gave up, you know, the, you know, the bill to play Division II ball. But it was, you know, in college, I wanted to have that moment. But I learned, listen, if that's what works for me and gets me to do everything I need to do to hold myself accountable, then that works for me. And I've used that plenty of times in, in business to, you know, win my category, you know, whether it was, a, you know, as an agent manager, mm -hmm. not as, as a manager or as an SGA or, you know, to, you know, be the best I can be. So mm. I think it's important to find out what works for you. Do you have the best shot out of the all the SGAs? I don't know. There's some we have some really athletic people. Yeah, some basketball players. Yo, out there. it's funny. We were just in um, Italy. Yeah, how the, was that? That was amazing. Um, and we were in Sicily with the kids for eight nights, and we were at this resort. And it didn't feel like Italy. Um, it was recommended by someone, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And they had a full court basketball court outside. Yeah. And my kids were like. Dad, this ball, we want to see you shoot. And I hadn't touched the ball in a long time. Yeah. It probably would like five, six years. Yeah. Touching a ball. I'm like, all right, just give me like, I need like three minutes. Yeah. You know, I just actually lifted weights in the morning. You know, yeah. I was in the gym oh, there. Lifting, the worst time and I had done like uh, shoulders. Yeah. Like hard and my arms were burning. I was like, first ball, I shoot up. Like, it felt like it was really heavy. Yeah. I overshot. I think like went banging off the back. We're like, oh my God, my kids are watching. Oh, Dad, I thought you could play. And he said, give me three minutes. Like, listen, I haven't touched the ball in a long time. Yeah. And I just lifted. Like, and I did legs the day before. Like, yeah. give me a second. And, like, three, four minutes later, get there, start shooting, move back, move back. You know, then they had um, two three-point lines. I think one was a college one and one, yeah. was, a, one was, like, Euro Pro probably because it was, you know, in Italy. Yeah. So I hit um, – it's like – and it's on video. I think my daughter has it. Seven in a row from the Euro line. They're like, okay, we can go. <laughs> it's hilarious. It was funny. It was like, thank God, they were videotaping me. It's yeah. Like, you know, it was like five the pressure minutes to pick was the on. ball. Yeah, big pressure. It's like kids, especially. Yeah. Like, your kids are your harshest critic. You yeah. know, you'll learn one day. Like, they yeah. give you a hard time, <laughs> especially if you're a dad and you have daughters. Man, yeah. they are the harshest critics for sure. That's, that's rough. So I was glad. I was glad to have that moment. So well, while you're talking about Italy, what was the, next to the basketball? What was the coolest experience out there? I love, you know, we've been fortunate to go there, you know, a bunch of times. I, I just, every time you see something from a different perspective and just seeing, um, I love going to Rome. We go to Rome every single time we go. Yeah. You know, we had an opportunity to see Rome in a different different light than we'd ever had before and just, 
um, to make it through the Vatican Museum and the Vatican. It's just inc- incredible to see the history of, you know, how you know things really started. Yeah, there it is. It's just. Did you see the Colosseum? Uh, not in this trip, but I've been there plenty of times. Yeah, that's it's an incredible experience. Get to go. What about food wise? Oh. Italian food in Italy is amazing. Yeah. I've had some incredible meals. How's it compared to Italian food in America? Oh, way different. Way different? Oh, my God. Well, it depends where you're going. I mean, you can, if you can go to an Italian restaurant with the people from Italy, yeah. That's like, that's Italy Italian food. But if you're going like to like a chain restaurant, a chain restaurant that's, you know, taking a piece of breaded chicken and frying it and throwing some cheese and tomato sauce on Olive it. Olive Garden isn't the way to go. Ah, uh, it's a lot different <laughs> than that. I mean, it's just incredible, the incredible food. Plus, you know, you probably read about this, you know, just the difference of food, you know, in Europe versus the United States, the preservatives, you know, in food here, mm-hmm. it's just totally different. It's How different do you feel? Like, do you feel fuller after you eat food over there? Um, your you body feel? feels different, like going digesting, yeah. if you want to call it that. I think every time we go to, you know, to Italy or Europe, like first day or two, your body's kind of getting readjusted to the food. Yeah. And then it's, you know, same thing on the way back. Yeah. It's like, yeah, your body's got to readjust. Yeah. You, when you, get, you, you learn when you get older, um, your body doesn't metabolize the foods that you really love when you're younger. So you have to learn, you kind of get away from some of those foods. Yeah. At least I'd like carbs for me aren't good, but yeah, I just took the governor off the carbs and Went all carved in. Oh yeah. Oh god. I'm in Italy. Pizza yeah. and pasta. Every meal is was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. It was awesome. Well, how's the plane? How long is the plane ride? So from Dallas to Rome, it's about nine. It's a direct flight. Yeah, nine hours and maybe nine and a half hours there. But coming back, going against, you know, the jet stream, so it takes about ten hours and forty five minutes on the way back. It's about an extra hour or so on the way is back. Is that your longest flight you've ever done? Um, the longest direct yes because all the other times yeah. for me the Boston and Miami so it was that much quick you know two and a half hours closer yeah so how uh who's the best flyer out of the family like who's like the most like patient to the like down I think they're all really good everybody like, I think you just good. when you're flying that long you just gotta accept the fact you're gonna be in this plane for 10 hours yeah and I don't know, I'm not a good sleeper on the plane. You know, I always no? Say, no. I'm always like, all right, I'm going to get six hours. And it's like, get on the plane, you know, you have the meal, watch some TV. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to get six hours in. And it's like two and a half hours later, wide awake. So it's just like, I always just say, hey, the first day for me, if I can just make it get on their time the first day, yeah, then I'm fine. You know, so as hard as it is, try to stay up to like, you know, 10 o'clock at night, the yeah. first night there, then you're usually pretty good. Get a good night's sleep the first night, you're good. That ain't bad. And then coming back, you try to get back on the time here. Yeah. You know, from, you know, central time to we'll use Italy as the example. It's a seven-hour time difference. Mm-hmm. So, so you want to fight through it, like, so on the way back, we try to, you know, sit up to about 11 o'clock when we came back, even though it was really 6 o'clock in the morning wow. there. And then you sleep through the night, you're good. Who struggles with jet lag the, the worst in the family? Probably one of the teenage girls. Yeah, just throws their schedule off for a couple weeks. No, a couple days. A couple a days. Tired. Yeah. Just in case they watch, I don't want to point out which one. Yeah, no, you you definitely. I'll you, give you a hint. It's one of the three. Yeah, you'll have a battle on your hands. Yeah. They're all really, really good with it though. Like, yeah. No, no complaints. That's good. So as you're in college, you get in. When do you get into your first sales job? My first sales job was when I was 24. 24, and that was the industrial packaging yeah. company. What, what did you do any like solid jobs before that that kind of like left an impression or molded you at all? So I owned my own um, restaurant 
yeah salad and sandwich and salad concept that we created a college room and i created in college tough business um first store we opened up to did really really well just a lot of work yeah um it's a lot of work you know back then there weren't the you know everyone used cash back then Mm -hmm. very few people use credit cards even though we had credit card machine so yeah you had problems and issues with people stealing a whole another side issue um, but you know, it's just a full-time job, you know, in the beginning, you like, as you're building it, both of us working all the time. And then, you know, after like six months, we'd started like, you know, overlapping, you know, overlapping the busy times and then trying to take nights off so we could have some kind of social life, but it's just, it's a lot of work and a lot of commitment. Um, definitely instills work ethic yeah. for sure. You're probably putting a hundred, 110 hours a week in doing that. Oh, I can imagine. So I mean, it's a great experience. Definitely one that you, you know, you appreciate the restaurant business if you've been, you know, being in it. Yeah. For what it is but you know did that had um at one point had up to three stores wow that's insane yeah my uh, partner who actually was my college roommate who recruited me to the company actually got out after about nine months in a restaurant business? yeah i got out and did the other two myself with a different with a different partner wow and then you transitioned did you sell it out or did you just kind of close it out you want me to tell the story yeah i guess so I'll try to keep it really abbreviated. Okay. So uh, I met the senior vice chairman of PepsiCo. Okay. In between my first partner wanting to get out and figure out what I was going to do. Like, I was going to keep the first store. Yeah. So, you know, PepsiCo is KFC, Taco Bell, California Pizza Kitchen. Like, all the ones that people hear. So he's the vice chairman, senior vice chairman of that. Wow. So, you know, multi, multi multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. And um, so I get introduced to him. You know, and he's always looking to like meet younger people and be a mentor. So my stores are in Florida. So long story short, he goes, I'm going to fly to Florida and see your concept. He goes, if I like it, um, we're going to do a store together. Yep. So he had flown me up in the meantime to go see him in, in New York. So I went to the PepsiCo World Headquarters. So he goes, I'm going to come down. So he goes, my system will call you tomorrow. Assistant calls me the next day. I'm back. She goes, he's coming next week. So he comes in. Um, he wants to see the busiest day of the week, which was always like Fridays because people, yeah. you know, back then people would spend the most money on takeout to go yeah. Fridays before the weekend. So he comes in, sees the business, is infatuated with it, stays all weekend. We talk and then, you know, long story short, we end up opening a flagship store. You know, the first store is like the money we saved up while we were um, working in college. Mm-hmm. So we saved up all this money while we worked in college. Um, we both, him and I, opened the first store. So now he was putting some serious money behind. So we had, you know, interior decorators, color schemed, low, real logos. It's like a real, it's a real place. Yeah. This is going to be our flagship store. And um, he then gets us, I don't want to use names, but he then gets us with a major, um, he's uh, really good friends with the CEO of a major, uh, called Gas Company. Yeah. So we were in a C store, the convenience store. We opened up a third location in a C store. And they were going to, you know, franchise that out. Um, and that one, we picked the wrong location, should have, should have known better, picked the wrong location. So it didn't really, didn't really work out well that one, but then we had a major fast, we'll call it quick service food place. That's still very prominent today. I'm not going to say the name, but if if I said it, oh yeah, I know that place. It's big all around the country. Um, he's friends with them and we have a deal that they are buying out our concept. So at this point I'm 23 and not even 24 yet. Yeah. 23, the deal is going to put several million dollars into my pocket at 23 with a 10-year contract with a guaranteed salary and percentage of sales. So we had the deal. I got 
since he negotiated the whole thing, he got, I think he got 65%, I got 35%, which I was totally fine with. He, that never would have had this deal if it yeah. wasn't for him. We're less than two weeks before closing. We have a closing date. We've met with attorneys. He's been paid with the attorneys, several rounds with attorneys. Things going on for six months. Negotiates going back. I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm, gonna be a million, I'm like going to be a millionaire before I'm 24. And less than two weeks before the deal, they pulled out. And then at that point, I'm like, I'm not in the restaurant business for this. So I ended up, um, I sold out. The, I sold out the second location. Um, some guy just bought, wanted all the, I had everything we had in it. They bought us out. The guy this wanted, it was an awesome location. They wanted it for their concept, which was great. So I got out of that. And then someone bought the main, the first location. And the crazy story is, so this st- opened up in 1994. It opened up 29 years ago. This May, I think it was like 12th or 13th. Yeah. 29 years, it's still open today. Wow. I made them change the name because I thought we were going to use the name, but yeah. it's the same menu and everything's the same. Have you gone back to eat? Uh, I haven't been in a few years. We went there like four years ago. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So that's insane. Same people. That's insane. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, that's that story. That's crazy. And so from there, you transition into the... So industry. I take like six months off because I'm like burnt out. Yeah. Like burnt out. Yeah. And um, went through all the money I saved. Yeah. You know, and then I ended up moving to Dallas. This was I was living in South Florida, moved to Dallas and started with that company. And so that's when you did the industrial packaging. Yep. And then how long did you do that? Three and a half years. And then so you're three and a half years into that. How did that first start out for you? Terrible. Terrible. It's hard. Yeah. Like, but you know that going in. Was it cold calling? All hundred percent cold calling. Yeah. So that's, that's like one of the hardest so- things ever. Yeah. Like you've got to make the calls. Like it's all a numbers game, like down to a science, but you've got to make the calls. Yeah. You know, when you get into Dallas. Did you get summer, good at referrals? Probably there. I did learn a little bit about referrals. I should have going back. If I had gotten better at referrals, I probably would maybe still be in that business. <laughs> yeah. You know, applying, you know, you don't really learn the power of that until later. No one really got referred. I mean, you'd ask for a couple of people if they knew people, but yeah, could have done a way better job. But you know, it was really broke for the first year and a half, mm. like very broke. Yeah. Like not even enough money to pay all the bills. Like, what, what was your favorite meal when you're broke? So when you're broke, what you can afford, um, well, the favorite meal is when you're going out with clients because you can charge it. Yeah. You know, put, yeah. You know, put on your expense. Yeah. But you yeah. pay that back too. But when you're on your own, like when you learn about rice and beans. Yeah. Like when the grocery stores the, you know, have yellow rice yeah. and black beans, yeah. yellow rice and red beans, yep. brown rice and both beans, yep. white rice and beans. Like you find all the variations. Yeah. And they sell the big bag. You know, yeah. Like two for 99 cents. Yeah. They go along. Each bag goes for two meals. Like yeah. You figure out like buck goes a real long way. I think there's... There's some there's some protein in beans. Right? Yeah, that and pasta. Yeah, you, you have a very carb infused diet. When oh, you're absolutely. That broke. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So definitely not much meat and protein. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, three and a half years of the packaging, and then how did you transition into American Income Lighting? So I started doing well, but just for all intents and purposes, just didn't see it. Like wasn't happy about yeah. it, even though I was doing well. Started doing well, and I, I could see where it was going. Um, just didn't like it, and I remember. I don't remember what the book was, but, you know, someone had referred to, you know, you'll never work another day if you love what you do. Yeah. And that kind of stuck with me. You know, a job is only for those people that hate what they do. You know, it's, you know what they do, you know, hate what they do every day when they go to work. And I said, you know what, this isn't the long-term plan. Um, didn't feel like I was making an impact or difference. And, you know, that was something that I know it's really big with this generation, these generations these days, but I just felt like there was more out there. Mm-hmm. And then I was actually, so I'm still in contact with my college roommate. He's now with American Income for five years. Um, he's in one of the top MJs in the company. I think he won his category like two or three years in a row. Yeah. 
we used to go visit each other a couple times a year and it's my turn to go visit him and I went and visited him and um he had just moved into a new house in a gated community and uh, you know i mean people can fake the house thing but i knew he was doing well not that money's everything but you know he seemed to be really really happy doing what he was doing and you know i was supposed to be there for a long weekend and then like the first night i was there i think he probably was thinking oh i'm gonna re- you know i'm gonna recruit this guy i yeah. was just going to go have a good time so Looking back, I think the whole thing was staged, but met uh, his SGA the first time. Someone you know. Yeah. Uh, Mark. We'll say the last name just in case. I know. So met Mark that first night, and we went, o- we went over his house first. Yeah. Um, before we went to dinner, and the right things were said to uh, pique a lot of curiosity. Yeah. Right? Curiosity got the cat. Yeah. So curiosity got me, and then um, we started talking, and then, you know, then I started talking about the business, and I'm thinking, you know what? He goes, you, you instead of going home Sunday, you come to the office on Monday. And I'm like, all right, let me see about this. I ended up changing like my three day trip into like a 14 day trip. Wow. Yo, know, started going to the office and uh, went to the office that day and it went around. It was in the first agency meeting there. And, um, you know, I started watching what people were doing and they told me how much people, you know, people were making. And I yeah. was like, then I went out on the field a couple nights. You know, I saw this one guy make like three sales and like, he was terrible. Yeah. Not that I knew what I was doing, but I just knew he wasn't that good. I'm thinking, wait, how much did that guy make? Last night, how much did he make in the year? I'm like, yeah. if this guy could do it, I can make at least five times that. Yeah. And then, you know, learned a little bit more. And then I was like, you know what? I extended my trip a few more. I extended my trip another little bit. And I ended up that weekend. Back then, they had an insurance school. There was no online schools. So it was all in person. They had a Saturday-Sunday class, Saturday-Sunday class. So I took the Saturday-Sunday class, did training all that week while I was in the school and started studying, finished the class Saturday-Sunday, moved, came on back to Dallas and moved and was, took my, my test that Thursday. Was your test, like, fill in? Like, was it a, like, written test, or was it an online test? It was on a computer. It was on a computer? Yeah. I'm computer over here thinking, yeah. <laughs> it was on a computer. You had me thinking for a second. <laughs> yeah. Like, Scantron? Maybe it was. I don't know. It was so long ago. Like like a like an SAT kind or of something? kind of blacked that out. Maybe it was, like, the dot and put it in a machine. Yeah. And they didn't tell you a score. All they told you was you passed or failed. I think still do that. I think in some states they tell you the score. score. You know, pass, so took the exam, so you know, went back to Dallas, packed up all my stuff. Like two days later, I'm driving a, all my stuff in a U-Haul because I didn't want to wait for moving company. I just wanted to Even go. When like, did you break the news to your dad? Um, it was, it was uh, in when I took the first two classes that week. Yeah. After I took the first two classes, I'm like, all right, I'm going to definitely do this. And, and is that when he hit you with, you're going to go sling insurance? He goes, yep. I can't believe you're gonna give all that up to go sling insurance in the That's crazy. The hood. And then so from there, let's fast forward a year. What was your first year like at AIL? So I moved to Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in you know, back then it was a whole different company, but you know, Mark had one of his category one, one of the top SJs in the company. Was Bernard still there? Bernard was still basically run Bernard was running the company. Roger just started. Okay. Bernard was still a little bit part of it, but that was Roger's first year as CEO. No, he came in as executive vice president. Okay, first. yeah. And it was then Mark years later became McAndrew that was, was probably the, he was the CEO. Okay, am I allowed to say these names because we could edit them out? Maybe use first names. Okay, so Mark was the Mark was yeah. the CEO of the parent. <laughs> can company. Go back and edit. They can go yeah, back. Yeah, Mark and edit was the parent company. The parent Mark was the CEO of the parent company, and he was CEO of our company. Okay. Then a few years later, I don't know how many years later it was. Years later, Roger became the president. Then years later, became the CEO. Okay. And so so I was in Orlando for ninety days. Um, you know, got into management after a month. You know, made a deal to write a certain amount of production on my first month. 
Um, you get your essay contract. Get my essay contract. What wrote was, the number. What was the number? Four or five K? <laughs> it was like 20. 20,000? I made a deal for 20,000 realizing that no one in the office really ever wrote more than <laughs> like seven or 8,000. Yeah. And the, what year was that? 20,000? That was in 1999. I was born 98. So I didn't even go home for Thanksgiving to see my parents because I, if I went home, I wasn't going to hit my goal. So I canceled my trip to go see my parents for Thanksgiving. And I was working Wednesday, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I was supposed to go home that Tuesday night. Worked a Wednesday all the way up until whatever time. Worked Thursday morning all Thanksgiving. Worked Listen. Friday all day after Thanksgiving. Worked the Saturday all Thanksgiving Sunday because I was getting towards the end of the month. Thanksgiving obviously yeah. the end of the month. And if I hadn't done that, I needed the number I needed to do. Well, look, no Thanksgiving in Florida, even if you're working, is still better than a Thanksgiving in Boston. Oh yeah, but I was working the whole time. Yeah, even if you're working, I I door I've door knocked in in a winter in Pennsylvania, and I've door knocked a winter in Florida. Oh, that's a whole different deal. I well, agree. If everyone in Florida should write a hundred thousand every month. If you're in Florida listening to this and you're not crushing it in sales, that's funny. You don't go through emotion. You don't go through the uh, what do they call it? The weather depression. You know what I'm talking about? Seasonal depression. Yeah, seasonal depression. You don't even have seasonal depression. No. You know what I mean? You, you everyone in Florida should be a millionaire. Hilarious. Yeah. So I did that. Ninety days later, you know, there was there was already like 14, 15 managers in the office. It was a different deal. It was saturated. Yeah. So I just. Um, I was like, all right, I wasn't really, I don't want to offend anyone. I wasn't really crazy about Orlando um, anyways. And then mm-hmm. he actually had the, he took over the Tampa office. And mm-hmm. I went to school in Tampa. So I, I like Tampa Mark? a lot. Yeah, Mark took over okay. the Tampa office um, back in, it was like January, February of 2000. Yeah, so you went there? So I ended up, it was like, great. I moved to Tampa, got out of my lease. Wow. Moved to Tampa, started building, you know, for the most part, when he took over the office, it was a couple of people left. That's Spencer. Built, built, Spencer stopping grounds now for us. For, yes, for area steel. it's a great area. Love Spencer that. Spencer and Burnsdorfer down there. Um, got my. I was doing thirty five, forty thousand a week as a GA, and then yeah, um, my college roommate and Mark was supposed to partner up. Now, did you that have fell through? And then he ended up becoming SGA, and it was in Dallas. And I always felt like a wait, reason to go back to Dallas. All my friends were in Who Dallas. Who became an SGA in Dallas? My college roommate. Okay. So it was like, you know, looking back, I wasn't really smart. I gave up a deal doing thirty five, forty thousand a week. Yeah, and to start from scratch. Oh, you went out there. To I went to Dallas. I was the MG, the one person. Yeah, I remember the SGA. That was dumb enough to go with them. Have one. So dumb yeah. enough to go with them. Back yeah. Look, thinking about it, I was the one person who went with them and moved to Dallas. And then you probably did. Did you? Was he still doing a lot of work? Or sometimes I hear stories. You know what I mean? My where, SGA. Yeah. Or were you doing? My college roommate did nothing. Yeah, I was gonna say, were you the one? Doing he did all the, the agency work? meeting. That was okay. it. Did everything. <laughs> so you're doing all the work, but you're not getting. But it's okay. I rebuilt my team very, very fast. Yes. And so First you recruits. rebuild, and then then rebuild. What? Um, then become start getting offered SGA opportunities about 10, 11 months into being an MGA. Yeah. Um, turned down the first five. Just couldn't see myself living in any of them. Like yeah. I was doing really well. You know, I'm writing yeah. 75, 80,000 a week in 2001. Hey. As you know, an MJ, think about that. When the average yeah, policy is like 350. Yeah. You know, I'm doing well, have a lot of great team, surrounded with great well, people. For those MGAs and RGAs listening right now, though, we got to take a minute. What, what was the pay structure like, though? Off a team doing eighty thousand a week back then, like what were you, what were you getting roughly? You get your advance. Well, well, well back then we were on MJs were on a sixty-five. Yeah, GAs were on a fifty-seven and a half. So you so just, got seven and a half percent because I had a bunch of GAs, tons of GAs, yeah, and SAs. And then you had a once a month leadership bonus. And what was that roughly leadership? Was it ten percent of the total month ALP? Oh, that would have been great. That would have been great. Yeah, that would. have What been were great. you getting? So you Five, got two. So you got it off each individual agent. Okay. And they had to write, and it was anyone on your team that had seven, in your hierarchy, that had 7,000 or more net. 
for the month. Okay. You got 15%. So, so if someone did $6,998 net for the month, no bonus. So we had an RGA. So today, think about what it would be for these guys if they had someone that did 6998 for the month. It'd be a nice leadership bonus for yeah, the month. Yeah, definitely be a nice leadership bonus. Yeah. The SO, GA, MJ. Now, so American Income Life had an RGA last year make roughly $5 million, I believe. I think at least over $3 million. I yeah, I think it was more like over $3 million. Three and a half, yeah. Three and a half million. So, and I think, what did he do? $10 million AOP? Maybe more. I want to say... 13 to, 13 to 15. 13 to 15. Like so if with your with with the way it was structured back then, 13 to 15 million AOP through an MGA back then, what what would what would they have made? Really yeah. all comes down to well, he got an incredible producer, so he probably would have been bonusing off of all of them. Yeah. So similar, still three and a half mil? It, could it's really hard to tell think about it. It could have been close, maybe not as much. Yeah. I'd probably say to, I would, if I had a, a guess, I'd have to guess probably closer to two. Closer to two, so over over not even twenty years, a million and a half dollars more has been reinvested back into the the leadership contracts and the opportunity. You no, know, it's for, way better now, but you always want it better for your kids. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So first year, what'd you roughly make in AIL? My very well, first remember, full, I got co- full, first full twelve. You know, January to January, not not um, if you got coded in Thanksgiving. Oh my, over six figures, over six figures, and then. When did you ter- take your first SGA deal? Oh, way over six figures, my first full year, because I was I became an MGA. No, no, I take that back. No, I was a GA that whole year. Okay. But it was over six figures. Over six figures. And then when did you become an SGA? I became an SGA the end of August 2002. So how many years of that in AIL? How many years am I in? Yeah, at that point. Not even three. Not even three years. Two years, nine months. And where years. was your location, Boston? I was originally, my original territory was Connecticut and Western Mass. So how close is that to Boston? It's far. It's about an hour and 45 minutes. That ain't far. That was my territory every day. Yeah, two I know. Hours I there, two hours back. I mean, it's, well, it's not as close like you go there for lunch and come home. Yeah, but no. it's, it's a commitment to go drive there. Yes, but. yes. So how'd you, were, were you excited about Connecticut? Like, I was excited about being an SGA. Yeah? Really excited. So we're excited about, you know, we were. Well, why'd you turn down the first five? Why'd you get I so I just couldn't excited? see myself living in any of those places that it was but offered. I don't want to offend anyone. Connecticut was exciting. No, it was more exciting than the other ones. But, you know, essentially it was, you know, it was pre- it's presented in a way, if you don't accept this one, then we're not going to offer you one again for a while because I turned down the other five. Yeah. If that makes sense. But it was, you know, it was an hour and 45 minutes from my parents. Um, you know, Chris and I were expecting um, a child. So I felt like it was good to have someone at least, it was the only way I was going to get support. You know, with my mom, be, you know, my parents, my mom especially, you know, being close. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like it was, you know, it was a great opportunity back then. It was a different dynamic. We didn't have vendor leads back then. Yeah. It was just basically union leads. People didn't really write POS the way they do today. Yeah. It was really like union leads. It was I heard POS was like, like gold, like heaven back. Like you're yeah, not but allowed didn't to write touch it. it. Yeah, no one really wrote. It. They were afraid of it. Yeah. Um, but it was a union territory, so I felt like I was never. It was the best union territory I was offered, so I felt like hey, I'm going to make this work. Who was running Chicago back then, Scott? Um, I won't Scott say Smith. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <Did it> again, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> we'll edit that one out. Um, okay, so Scott's running that. You're in Connecticut. Who was who was who was top dog back then? Who was everybody chasing? Rick. Rick. <laughs> Everyone's been chasing Rick for a long time. <laughs> Rick, man, you got to retire. All right. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So, who was number two? Back then, um, is either Eric. 
or these guys out of St. Louis? <laughs> well, what's the key to longevity for, for Eric and Rick that have just been, like, from your outside perspective, going 40, 50 years, you know what I mean? Just I mean, they're so unique. Like, they're, like, incredibly, like, special people. Yeah. Like, incredible people. Like, the tenacity, like, you know, it is so different back in the old, you know, I really feel like it's a lot easier now than it was before. There's so many things that have been streamlined, you know, you know it, that makes it so much easier to s- succeed today. But just to like, just imagine like the tenacity and the the drive and the, the commitment. Yeah, every they, adjective you could ever think that would go along those lines, they ha- definitely had to possess because there's just so many opportunities to say forget it. Yeah, that quick because it was so hard back then. Like that's why I admire like you admire those guys, you know, yeah. them and and Jim and you know that group of guys. If, have been you, around for if like you say there was like, a Mount Rushmore. I guess it, you can't even do I that. I can't. Even do so that. yeah, you yeah. can't do. <laughs> you, you I think you should have Mount I think you should have a Mount Rushmore for like the decades of people coded. Yes, like that'd be easier to do. Yeah, that because there's so like, many. You can't, special, it's so hard to compare. Like there's so many special people. Yeah, like we need a way more than four. Yeah, yeah. there's been so many people have made such incredible contributions to this company yeah. and to protect the emotional morale. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I'm, glad, I'm glad we backed out of that. Oh, but so, um, but okay. those guys are definitely for that generation. They're all on it. For sure, incredible. That's incredible. Like they're they've been laid such an incredible, you know, just an incredible example for people to follow and chase. So no. appreciative of that, and to still be here and contributing at the level they do. It's incredible. What was your favorite year as an SGA? My favorite year as an SGA. Mm-hmm. I like them all. I really did because yeah. each year was different. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like. You know, wine, each vintage represents something different. I think yeah. each year represents different challenges, you know, different growth points. You know, yeah. you know, when I first took over, you know, I first became an SGA, I had a takeover. Um, you know, I took over an agency that had, there was 13 people doing 3,000 a week total in premium. <laughs> Jeez. So no, there wasn't really anyone making money. No one was successful. You know, it was, it was tough. And, you know, when the dust had settled, only one stayed. Yeah. You know, went in on a Thursday, is. met them all, gave them the weekend off, told them this is, you know, what I'm committed to doing all this, but this is what I need in return. It was a lot different than the agency was ran. They said they're going to give you the weekend, you know, think about it. Um, but if you're serious, Monday we start training. Only one person showed up. Wow. And that was the MGA. Wow. He said, I've been following you ever since I knew you were coming. He goes, I've been watching, reading all the spotlights. He goes, he goes I, I'm just going to do whatever you tell me because if I can do a third of what you do, I know I'm going to be really successful. And how did he do? He did really well. Yeah. He was with me the entire time. I was in Connecticut until I left to South Florida. Then when I went to South Florida, he retired because he had yeah. been with the company over 10 years. He was yeah. vested. Um, and his dream and goal, he always told me this, his dream and goal was to buy his own um, rig. Yeah. So he bought like a brand new truck and drove across the country. And he still does it today. Wow. Talked to him a couple times a year. Just talked to him uh, with one of the other guys on his birthday. That's insane. A few months back. He's driving the country. That's incredible. With his cat. has a new cat. That cat. The first cat passed away. <laughs> drives around. Loves it. Sees the country. Yeah. Doing really well. So it's like, but yeah, he was a big part of. That's incredible. Helping getting, the, you know, getting that started. Well, you had to have a least favorite year. What was the, what was, what was the biggest lesson year? We'll call it that. Not your worst year, but what, what year just hammered you and you learned the most? Out of your whole career. Probably 05. 05? What, what, what was two or three things that you just, like, if you could paint for somebody right now, here's the 
one thing, the two things I would have gone back. This is what I learned the most. So what I learned the most is you need diversity. Like if you're a leader, you can't put all your eggs in one or two baskets mm-hmm. um, because you run the risk if something goes wrong with that one, you know, that one or two or both, then you're going to set yourself really far behind. You know, so I had, you know, there was nothing I could have done to change differently other than maybe had developed more leaders, developed more uh, horizontally, if you want to say it, wider than yeah. vertically. Um, but it was a year, you know, coming off of uh, winning my category the year before and had the number two. It's always coming off those categories. It's had the number two MJ in the company and the number three. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had to one, let one go. The number yeah. two had to, I had to let him go. And, you know, I just had taken over, you know, Massachusetts at that time, the rest of Massachusetts. And, mm. you know, he was the one who was going to run it. So it was like, roll up your sleeves, get back to work. You know, actually was in the field, staying at my parents' house because the office was like 20 minutes where my parents lived. Staying mm. at my parents two or three nights a week with two, you know, two kids under three years old, developing and training a team from scratch. Mm. So rolled up the sleeves, bought yeah. a field car. Was that the garbage bag leads? No, that was when I first started. Okay. That was when I first started. Yeah, when I took over Connecticut, um, not only did we, was it 13 people doing 3,000 a week, which ended up being one, but found out after the fact that we didn't have one group signed in the last uh, year and a half. Were you one of the SGAs that you had to run your own PR? Yeah, I ran my own PR. So I had to learn PR. That's incredible. Learn PR in two days. You guys probably look at us new SGAs and just like little cupcakes. No, you want it better for your kids. Yeah, that's true. Is there ever a point where it gets too good? You ever seen the quote where it's like, hard times make strong men and strong men make good times and good times make weak men and weak men make hard times? Like, what's that threshold? I don't think so. Every generation has their different challenges, especially if you want to use our business. Every every generation faces new challenges and, you know, it challenges you in different ways. And, you know, back when I was, when I first started, there wasn't social media, Mm -hmm. which is a whole different dynamic. Forget about the company, but to people itself. So... You know, it just feel like everything's have a different set of challenges, and I don't you know. We sit here and a lot of times we contrast and compare who had it harder, who had it. I think yeah. just and in that specific time or moving forward, and that's those specific times, everyone's gonna have their own challenges. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of you know who's gonna have the tenacity, the wherewithal to, um, as we kind of say, last, not quit, and yeah. face that adversity, mm-hmm. you know, and, and conquer that and move forward. So I don't, I don't think it's fair like to say, hey. Oh, it was so much harder. Or this was, so, you know, things obviously in the business were way easier now than it was back then. But yeah. I think each generation or each time, you know, time frame has its own challenges, and they're different yeah. and could be different, but equally as challenging. Yeah, to face, and it just brings on different aspects that you would never think of. So, when when do you think somebody's listening to this right now and they want to make seven figures in the insurance industry? When do you think if they work hard and smart? How many years would you tell them with the opportunity we have now that they could get up to seven figures? I think that's a great question. I think it depends on if you're going to take a career path, you know, in personal production or leadership. Give us both examples. Personal production, you could, I mean, shoot, we have people that yeah. did it last year. Yeah. You know, you would never think in, you know, no pun intended, a million years when I first started, you have the personal production, but it's just like, it's wild. Yeah. What these the, what these guys have been able to you know, accomplish, yeah. Um, so, but those guys, you know, for something that maybe would be unfathomable on you know you would never think it happened, but 
the amount of effort and work and you know they, and the you know, they not only the amount of work and effort they put in, but they invest in their business. Yeah. Like back when I started, personal producers invest in their business. Now like how that. many years of experience or have they? So been you, in the some of these guys have done it in like their first year, their first, first full that's year. That's what I was gonna say. I think so. It's first crazy. Year they you can, could you do can it in first full year, but I would never want people to think, hey, that's the norm. Yeah. But those aren't you know, they're in the small you know the, they're the the small whatever point zero 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 percent yeah of the population where you know you just imagine what kind of work. It takes to write that kind of business. You know, how many if, sales and calls? If you think about it, if you set it up right and are very efficient as you know, personal production or even leadership, you know, if you got a handful of callers and you just guarantee you have, you know, 15, 20 presentations, your presentation's a half hour, you work eight hours a day, you could do five days a week. I've played around with the, it makes sense. You can do it. In the field, it didn't make as as much sense to like. How would you get to all those houses? Oh, BC was impossible. Yeah, BC. There's yeah, no way. BC. That doesn't make sense. But now, you know, it's PC, definitely possible. But yeah. you got to be. It's disciplined, and it takes you know. But you and you could once you get a good groove. I imagine that that uh, Daniel P. I imagine he's got a pretty sweet schedule because I've seen him do it the last couple of years. I bet he works. Uh, maybe he works seven days a week, but I bet it's. On those bigger weeks, I imagine, but I bet it's five, six days a week. I, pre- I bet he's got a really smooth system. I think he works more than you think he does. A lot more. Yeah, he works a lot. Yeah. Okay. So, but even then, I bet he's got. A like he's got system. systems for like his for pe- food. Yeah. Like, like how he makes his meals. Like he, you know, I didn't even realize it's technology out there. This one food company, I couldn't even tell you what the company is, although he told me about it. Where, like, there's two ovens, and you put your food in there. It stores it cold, and then it's programmed and starts cooking it. Yeah. And he has it on his app, and he cooks it. So it's, then when he knows when he's going to have a break, it's done. He goes and gets his food back in, takes his food to the thing. It's crazy. Wow. He is very, very, like, yeah, very disciplined. Yeah. But, you know, it's in, it doesn't matter what the level is. You, you know, this, you probably talked about this on this podcast so many times. It's like if you want to extreme, you know, achieve extraordinary results, it takes extraordinary work ethic and behaviors and commitments to do that. Extraordinary schedule. It does. What about leadership? First year? I've had year. people do it in the first and second year too. Yeah, I wouldn't want anyone to think that's the norm, but you know, you got to do more than what the normal is. So the key component, obviously, with with not with personal production, would be if you had one word for it to make a million in your first year, it would be what would that word be? Get as many referrals, referrals as possible. That's how I would teach referrals it. as possible. Which referrals would translate into I would I would say present presentations. presentations and sales. So presentations lead into sales, but now in leadership. What would someone wants to make a million? Like, and I'll do anything it takes. What the first twelve months? How would I make a million dollars here in leadership? It's the the personal recruiting version of referrals. Yeah. So just basically getting as as many people that that you know and helping them do the same thing. Hundred percent. You know, I've always been a huge proponent of this. I've been saying this ever since. You know, when I first got into leadership, figured this out really really quickly. Um, you know, your people will do 75 to 80% of what you do right, and they'll do 100% of what you do wrong. Maybe closer so to 1,000% of what you could do. It could be. It could be. It'll multiply. But you've got to, you know, you know, and that's the challenge and why, you know, the reward could be like that. But very few people have the uh, discipline to, you know, lead by that kind of necessary example. You know, if yeah. you want to make a million dollars, you have to have million-dollar habits and million-dollar behaviors. Yeah. And a million-dollar commitment. Yeah. And it's tough. It's some people, you know, money's not everything, you know. I think it's a lot. You know, everything we do in life takes money. Yeah, it does. You're sleeping at night. You're in Chicago in the winter. You're spending money. The heat's running. Yeah. You know, you live in Florida you kind of, or Texas in the hot, you know, in the summer. You're sleeping at night. No matter where you're, the AC's running, the heat's running. Yeah. You're always spending money. And, you know, I always felt like health and family always come first. Mm-hmm. No matter how much money you have, you can't really, I mean, you can buy your health, I guess, up to surgeries to a certain point. But yeah. you can't buy your health. 
Then when you can't buy a family. Yeah. But everything we do, life takes money. So I always looked at money comes third. That's kind of how I always viewed it. But you know, a lot of people, to some people, it's like it's not as important to others. Yeah. So you know, do you have the drive and commitment? And that's why I always talk about. And you even talked about with your team earlier. Yeah, you know, everything's about vision. You know, what's that vision that you want? You know, how you want your life to be, mm-hmm. if for yourself, or if you have a significant other, or for your family, that future life. And you know, that vision becomes a justification of doing all those things. It's making the commitment. Yeah. You know, it's being able to say no to things that you want to do but don't necessarily you know need to do yeah you know and i think that, that's one of the things that young people you know need to have that discipline is you know, you know do they fight off the distractions mm-hmm. you know there's so many temptations to do different stuff to go out to do this to do that um versus you know do you have to you know, do you, are you putting the time in to get that you know result that you desire so yeah I, it could be done mm-hmm. you know but you know i just want to make sure you know you and i are talking you know to be clear to your audience that hey it can be done but it takes a special person but yeah. that's why they are special. Yeah. That's why they... I they think we over-clarify. One of our systems is under-promise. You know what I mean? Definitely. We, we under-promise, especially in our interview process. And even in, in, a, in a selling process as well, we like to just generally under-promise and uh, kind of generalize things as well. You know what I mean? Like, here's what the average individual does. You don't seem like an average individual. So here's what, you know, the potential above average would look like. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Like, you know, I always felt like, you know, I learned after the first... When I first got into leadership, you know, the first couple of people I trained were personal recruits. Yeah. I did really, really well. And then I started tra- training some non-personal recruits, you know, and I just expected everyone to be me or be like them. And I two awesome first um, personal recruits from the insurance school. You mm-hmm. know, we stayed in touch. We used to go to lunch every day for those four days. Yeah. And they, we stayed in touch and they started calling me. How's your job going? How's mm-hmm. it going? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the first guy called me and he's like, he goes, you're never going to believe this. I finally went through training today. He goes, you ever hear of Project 100? Yeah. And I heard, yeah, you know, I had actually heard of it. Yeah. Because you're not going to believe, I don't know anyone who could buy insurance. Like, I'm broke. And all my friends yeah. are broke. He goes, How's it going there? I go, Oh my God, it's amazing. I'm an essay. He goes, What is that? Goes, yeah. I got wrote 20,000 my first one. What does that mean? He goes, Is your company hiring? I said, I, I bet you I can get you an interview. Yeah. You know, and he came in and he got hired. And then it was so funny. Like, the other guy was a little bit younger. He went to um, another company and their training was 90 days. And about you know, a month after that, he was done with training and he called and said the exact same thing. Mm. And both those guys went on to be MGAs, first wow. two people. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. And then the first guy was either number two, three, four, or five in the company for the first uh, five years. Wow, that's incredible. And then um, you know, then you train a couple of people from the normal back then ads. Yeah. Your know, resume started coming in. Maybe that time it was more newspaper, ads. newspapers, a lot of newspaper stuff. And um, you know, it was just a different kind of candidate, and it was different training. You know, a different cycle back then. And um, you know, they didn't make it. I was really frustrated thinking everyone was going to be wanting to be me. But then I had to learn, like, listen, as long as the only reason why they didn't make it is because of them, mm. um, then you're fine. Yeah. And I also had to learn that everyone didn't want to write as much business as me. Yeah. That it was okay. You know, if you wanted to write, you know, two or three sales a week, and as long as all your bills, you were happy, that's, that was okay. I, yeah. It took a while to learn that. It took me like three years of yeah. burning people yeah. out. I can't make you want something that you don't want for yourself. A thousand percent. And when you learn those things, then it becomes a lot felt like it became a lot easier. Light turned on, and yeah, thousand percent. As we uh, start to wrap up, I'd like to personalize you a little more, and just kind of not not be the typical podcast to just go over our business, but more so just talk about you. You know what I mean? I know we talked about Italian food, but what about do you have a, do you have a favorite restaurant? You know what I mean? You travel so much. I don't know if you've got one in mind. Maybe one back home where I know we had barbecue the one time I was at your house. That was yeah, good. The barbecue's really good. I like Terry. I actually Blacks. met the owners. Yeah. Of that funny story, met them last two weeks ago. Yeah, great people. How, how was that? It was great. They were actually were. Uh, we had a charity event, 
Mm. And they were the guests of one of the people that we did the charity event with. Wow. It was crazy how yeah. it was. Small world. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, favorite restaurant home is, is home. Yeah. Because yeah. when you travel a lot and you get out a lot of restaurants, it's so fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah. Like, when you're home, you, like, you don't really want to eat out. Yeah. I don't yeah, have my a wife. Become so, a great, yeah, my wife's become a great cook over the years. Yeah. Um, so the stuff that she makes, I like you know, to eat, and then you know, yeah. I cook some stuff. So sometimes just like to You can cook? I can cook. Okay. I like to be at home. And like, you know, it's weird, but Let's go. we're home. Just Who's the best cook in the family? I know Brennan can cook. Oh, his mom, my wife. Yeah. Yeah. That's a smart answer. She, if she watches. It's the truth. Yeah. Okay. No, she's become a great cook. She said in the beginning she couldn't cook. I think she held back on us for a long, long time. But yeah. It's <laughs> oh funny how it changed. It changes. Like when you when you go out all the time, then yeah. you don't want to go out. Yeah, yeah. When you don't go out all the time, then you want to go out. Oh, a thousand percent. So like I get enough of eating out when I'm traveling and visiting that yeah. I just want to be at home, like yep. gym shorts and a t shirt. Yep. You know. I told you I'm suit seven days a week right now and it's I like it, but at the same time I get real excited about throwing some shorts on. Yeah, it's just real excited. Especially I got like a thicker neck, so when I'm when I'm doing anything that requires a lot of talking or eating, this this top button's gonna be undone. Unless it's in a meeting with you and Greer. You know what I mean? When we have our SGA meetings in the top. We haven't done a tie, I don't think, the last one or two. Yeah, I don't. If things go well, we shouldn't have to do one again this fall either. I li- I've been doing them. I want to wear them in, in time. I'm going to be like, no, let's follow the system. You know what I mean? I want to be the one that stands out and has a tie on. But Oh, by all means, I don't want. you can wear a tie if you want to. No one's going to think that. Uh, you know, when I think about it, I look back. I'm like, you know what? But sometimes you guys have that room, 45 degrees, and I'm like, uh I might need keeps to everyone die. awake. Yeah, I might need to, it definitely keeps everyone awake. Definitely you know how it does. is. It's a lot hotter on stage, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot warmer. Those lights get warm. Yeah, they do. They do. What about, I know favorite music, definitely those old rap rap uh, artists. I yeah. know you like some Tupac and probably some Biggie, I would imagine. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, all of that. Which people don't would never guess or think. No, but. not at all. De- you know, definitely wouldn't guess that at all. But um, what about, do you have a favorite movie? Favorite show? Appreciate like different, different things like yeah. that don't follow the same routine. Like where you can't guess the outcome. Yeah. It's like you know this thing is so many new shows on like between yeah. all the little the apps. Yeah, yeah. It's like a good one that's unique. Movies like good. You get some of the old classics and then yeah, like I think when you get older and you have kids, you find stuff that like maybe your kids like. Yeah. And you learn to like even though maybe it wasn't something that you would have liked yourself. Yeah. And then stuff that hopefully you like they like. Yeah. So I have one daughter, like we've seen every uh Fast and the Furious together. Yeah. So she was like young when it first started. She watched a couple on TV, liked it, and then we've seen like the last like six. Yeah. You know, it was like predictable, yeah. it's not the best, but it's like something we have together. Yeah, so there's like, like a thousand of them now. Right? <laughs> ten. It was just the ten. Yeah. And then we thought it was the last one. There's eleven coming up. Yeah. Like, what the heck? Yeah, I can't believe this was the last one. Yeah, so we have that. Me and the youngest have a couple movies we do like that. Like stuff maybe I, Yeah. She likes, I like, then my other two kids, like Guardians of the Galaxy, like that never That's my favorite. I probably never would have been That's something. my favorite. Yeah. Like that <laughs> yeah. probably never would have been something, but they loved it. Yeah. They saw the first, they loved it, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch it. And then kind of got into it. And yeah, that's we, my favorite. You see that? Me and my mom, my sister, yeah. we watch that. That's our family movie. Yeah, so it's like, yes, you, you get it. So like you start liking yeah. things because like you can share it with the family. Oh, I only force them to like what I like. If they want to do something, like my mom, my sister wants my mom to watch the uh, Barbie movie with her, thinks she watched Barbies growing up or something. Not me. Not going to watch the Barbie movie. So yeah, I might. I'll send I might let that be a girl's day. Yeah, I'll send them a card or something, but I'm not doing that. So girls' night. Yeah, girls' night out. Not me. But um, yeah, favorite movie, favorite food, favorite music. I think we hit on all that. Is there 
Hawaii, maybe if anybody, because a lot of the a lot of the company will kind of tune in. You know, I guess we could wrap up with kind of shouting out Hawaii or anything else. Any well, other special announcements? Yeah, I feel like I really hope everyone gives it everything they got yeah. this year. And I've been writing a lot about that in the spotlight. Yeah. You know, and talking about that, you know, every chance. Like, Hawaii is going to be, you know, every I think everyone you can look back and say, hey, that was the best convention we've ever had. Yeah. I feel like that's very fair to say every year, um, especially like the last six or seven. I feel like, you know, the travel team and marketing team at Globe is like, that incredible uh, working partner with us and really yeah. like have gone, you know, kind of like let it all out and don't hold anything back and super supportive and like so un really first I understand how important it is and super committed to, you know, helping us and making mm -hmm. these like the most incredible experiences. But you take that because they get better every year and we get better working with them every year. But to take the location, like it is phenomenal. Like, what the last island? time we went to Hawaii was the year 2000. It's insane. Like we haven't been, it'll be 24 years between Hawaii and I hope it's not 24 years again, but yeah. I just hope everyone realizes, you know, the reality of it happening anytime soon is probably not because it's a very expensive trip. Yeah. But, you know, Globe has been super generous and um, in allowing us, like, it was a dream of Steve and I to be able to do Hawaii again. And, yeah. you know, it just, it worked out and they believe in all of the whole company and all of you guys and willing to put, you know, it's a little bit of a risk because, yeah. you, know, you know, we need to have a really good year. Um, but I just hope everyone takes advantage of that and understands why it's not going to be one of those every year or every other year or every five no. year type things. Um, but it's an incredible experience. And I know it's a place where a lot of people, haven't had a chance to go, and it's just, it's incredible. What's the uh, popularity of the location specifically selected? We were going to Waikiki. Waikiki? Yeah, right outside of Honolulu. Is it a beautiful hotel, resort? Both, yeah, we're going to be at two hotels because we have two hotels. Today. But wow. both of them are spectacular. I've talked to the travel team, and wow, it's going to be an incredible experience. You, know, you know how insane. we do things. Everything's yeah. first class all the way. Now, for people that are listening to this right now and are thinking, man, I'm hearing them talking about Hawaii, but how do I qualify? I would just tell them, you know, depending on the... I would say you could go on the ARC yep. and look at the look at the 2023 yep. uh, conventions. That'd probably be the easiest, or you know maybe get with their SGA or their yeah. RJ or MJ and just you know, review it. And I would say not only review it, but work together with them and put a plan together so you have it locked in. Yeah, and not locked in for the end of the year, locked in by December 1st at the latest. Just, yeah. So just in case something's off by a little bit, you have that those 30 days to you know to you know fill in the gaps. But I'm telling you, it's going to be a spectacular trip something that you don't want to miss out on. I don't know when we're going to go. I'm not just saying that to get people motivated. Yeah. I don't think we'll make it back in the, the 2020s for sure. I don't think so. You know, it's going to be a while, but yeah, I, I would just I've, take advantage of it. You know, I was fortunate that, that, you know, so I started, you know, in November of 99, and I was trying to go for, back then you had to write, I think it was like 51, 52,000. Yeah. I fell a little short. I couldn't, you know. Yeah. So I didn't qualify. And then a couple years later, we had a six-month contest in Maui. Yeah. You know, my first, uh, when I first became an SGA, mm. I told my wife, I said, you can pack your bag. I'm going to, there's no way we're not going to Hawaii. I'm, you can pack the bags, count on it. Yeah. You know, and I was like busting my butt, growing my deal. And um, I just, the way it was set up and the way I was trending, I'm like, the thing was over in three months. Wow. I was so excited. But it was like, like life changing to be, you know, it's a small version of convention, but to meet the people that I met, mm -hmm. you know, I met Steve for the first time on that trip. Wow. Think about that. So I met Steve back in um, the year it was back in the beginning of 2004. That's mm -hmm. when the trip was, back in February of 2004. So I met Steve, you know, first time 19 years ago. Mm. Relationship carried on to where it is today. And I met uh, Rob from AO on the same trip. Yep. So, like, two people have been very close for all those years. Wow. And That's incredible. That's incredible. I met Duran on that trip. That's incredible. Yep. So just to be able to have the relationship, you know, back then, you know, Roger, you know, I think he was president of the company back mm -hmm. at that point. 
you know, just be able to, you know, because it's more intimate, spend yeah. time with him, get to know him better, you know, yeah, yeah. really helped out with the career too. And yeah, so That's great incredible. trip. So whether it's a six month contest, which we're going to be announcing here um, at the end of the third quarter. Yeah. So about three months away from that, we're finalizing that. It's going to be in a spectacular location. There's a new six month contest. New six month contest starting for the fourth quarter and the first quarter. Wow. It's going to be a trip we've never, a place we've never gone as a company before. Wow. We can't leave it at that until the contract's signed, but yeah. it's going to be spectacular. So yeah. between that, everyone's got to look forward to that. And we have, um, you know, convention like we talked about. Like, I would just make sure you lock it in. It's just something that it changes when you get to see the company at that level, especially for the newer people. Even people that are around for a little bit, you know, it just changes your whole perspective of the company to be mm -hmm. able to, uh, you know, be in person with the people from around the company doing the same thing you're doing, different success levels, be able to share. Like, I've created so many incredible friendships over the years yeah. um, with people at convention. Yep. You know, first convention, I meet Slav Bittman. Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, so... 22 years ago, yeah. that relationship. Uh, Vlad, who's one of the directors yeah, in SJ, yeah, yeah. met them too. My first, we have a picture of the three of us. Yeah. From 20, so it's like you get to meet people, like incredible friendships and relationships Lifelong. with people. Lifelong. Mm -hmm. So I would just hope everyone does whatever it takes, you know, if they've been to one or not, to make sure that they're at the next convention and never miss one ever again. Let's go. Well, you guys heard it here first. Make sure you guys make Hawaii. The trip goes down in 2024. You got 2023 to make it. Those of you guys in my organization, I don't want you to make it. I want you to make it and get on stage. So if you love recognition, I want you to map out what do you need for, for the area that you're in in your business for you to get that recognition, to be on stage and impact and impress and, and do something special for your, your business, your friends, your family, the people that are going to be tuning in and seeing you do something truly incredible in, in a, in a world-recognized not only company but an industry. And, and don't do it for us. Don't do it. You know, because the company put it together, but do it because you deserve it and you're excited about going and spending some time in Hawaii. So you heard it here first from the president of the company. Heard you. Hope you loved his story. Hope you guys enjoyed everything. Hope to see you in Hawaii 2024. Let's go. Peace.